Welcome to Vacation Station, hosted by Lisa and Nancy, editors of BigBlendMagazines.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Big Blend Radio's uh, Vacation Station Travel Show, where every third Tuesday we go to Natchitoches, Louisiana. Natchitoches is the oldest settlement in the Louisiana Purchase. It is the oldest city in Louisiana, and it is part of no man's land, this historic strip uh, that had no law and order. Uh, And this strip goes from Lake Charles to Shreveport. It is part of the Cane River Creole, excuse me, the Cane River National Heritage Area. It is home to the Cane River Creole National Historical Park. It is also part of the El Camino de los Tejas National Historic Trail. And it's also right adjacent to Kisachi National Forest. And that's what we're going to talk about today, as well as the person who made Kisachi the one and only national forest in the state of Louisiana. So we're going to be talking about Carolyn Dorman and her Briarwood Nature Preserve that continues her legacy. Uh, she's an amazing woman in history. And her story is something that should be shared for generations to come. So I encourage you to go to Natchitoches.com, and that's N-A-T-C-H-I-T-O-C-H-E-S.com. And I also encourage you to go to BriarwoodNP.org for Briarwood Nature Preserve. So we've got two special guests joining us, as always, Arlene Gold from the Natchitoches Visitor Bureau. Welcome back, Arlene. How are you? I'm very well. Thank you, Lisa and Nancy, for having me today. Hey, we love having you on the oh, show. Are you kidding me? It's one of our favorite <laughs> times. I'm like always looking forward to this. And, you know, you know we love Natchitoches, right? You know. Yeah. Well, and you're right. always welcome to come visit, so. Now, and you now know be, careful. <laughs> be careful. You feel safe, careful what you wish for now. Hey, listen, you've got, you got everything. you got Cane River Lake. you got meat pies. you got music. you got everything in Natchitoches. Architecture, history. <laughs> You know, everything and Kisachi National Forest and around the corner, Briarwood Nature Preserve, which we got to visit. Uh, what, wait, it was a couple of years ago. Yeah. And um, it is a magical place. And Carolyn Dorman, um, her legacy is incredible. So we're very excited to have Bailey Quick on the show. Bailey, uh, Bailey, you're you're kind of new to Briarwood, but welcome to the show. How are you? I'm doing good. Thank you for having me. And we're very excited. I've been at, um, yeah, how long have you been there? I've been at Briarwood since December. Okay. Black's here. So, yeah. Cool. What led you to go, hey, I'm going to go run Briarwood and take people on tours and get involved in the nature and the history? What led you there? So I grew up about 10 miles away from Briarwood in Reedheimer, which is technically where Briarwood is. It's just a Celine address. Um, and I've always had a love for the outdoors. I was an FFA in high school. But I actually went to college for criminal justice, and I just happened oh. to see this job opening, <laughs> and I applied for it. Okay. <laughs> so, so I have maybe a very, we, you, I was going to say we should make you the head of no man's land because there was yeah. not criminal justice back then. <laughs> wow. Wow. So, so you apply for that, and now you're there. And it looks like, you know, there's a lot of change. It's like you're ca- carrying on the legacy. I remember Richard being on our show 
um, a, a, mm-hmm. about a couple years back. And when well, actually it was a year ago, it was a year ago in May. Um, and so him and his wife were really big stewards of the land there, right? Mm-hmm. Taking care of yes, it and, and interpreting it. So criminal justice to nature. Do you see crime in the nature zone like that you're in now? No. No, and I'm very <laughs> thankful for it. Yeah, but I bet. That's cool. It looks like you're doing a good job. I mean, do you get to live on site or do you, you know, trek in every day? I do. I do. I was on site. When um, they opened Briarwood in the 70s following Caroline's um, death, they built a house for the curator. So all the curators have lived in this house on site. Wow. Oh, they're living in history, like literally. Like, right. I mean, because this is Carolyn Dorman's home. That's where she she was born there, right? She was, yes. Well, tell us a little bit about her history and who she was, because, I mean, you're working on her land. You're docenting it. You're running tours. And this this what I thought was so amazing about the preserve is that there's so many different habitats. There's swamp. There's iris gardens, meadows. I mean, there's just there's trees, forest. So I think it's a really cool place for people to learn about the different, you know, zones and habitats of mm-hmm. Louisiana, bogs, all of it. Um, but her legacy of what she did, I mean, she stood up for, we wouldn't have that for us without her, right? I mean, it's no. got to be pretty amazing to be in her footsteps as a young woman going, like, she she didn't take no for an answer. No, she did not. And that's the thing I love about her the most. It took her almost 10 years to get to convince the Forest Service to create Kasachi. And mm. from what I've heard, her and her sister, Virginia, went out on their own and scoped out the areas they wanted to include in Kasachi. So the, I know that took a lot of work and a lot of dedication mm. to do that. But just to protect the Longleaf Pines was her main goal in creating Kasachi. Wow. That's so it, cool. The longleaf pine, you know, we've actually seen this happen in different regions. There's a the lolobby pine, I think. I'm not going to say it correctly, but it's loblolly. Loblolly. Thank, thank you. She's coming to my rescue. Um, but you know, when you <laughs> when you think about these trees, you know, it's something you wouldn't think about Louisiana. You don't really think forest. You even like Florida, you don't think forest and also Texas and the eastern piney woods of Texas. You get them in big thicket um, down in southeast Texas, too. So it's kind of this interesting zone. Even Georgia mm-hmm. kind of has them, too. So it's this. I've got to learn more about it. The belts of, you know, these pines, because it's not what we have on the West at all. They're different. They're tall. You know, and I think she's really right about saving them because I know lumber mills want to go in and take them, right? Right. So, that was her during her time when she wanted to create Kasachi. That was like the number one commodity was longleaf lumber. So they mm-hmm. were cutting down all the forest, and she wanted to preserve that. And one one way I interpret her wanting to protect them is Grandpappy at Briarwood which is the co-champion longleaf pine in the state of Louisiana. Um, he mm. estimated it to be somewhere between four and 500 years old. Wow. I'm thinking closer to 300 years old, but mm. he, he's still standing today. He made it through the really bad tornado we had 
a few years ago, but Caroline would, uh, foresters would want to bore Grandpappy, just take a ring out uh-huh. of the tree to count how many rings he has to determine how old he truly is. And she said, it doesn't matter how old Grandpappy is or how old I am for that matter. And she told Richard and Miss Jessie that if anyone tries to bore um, Grandpappy to take care of <laughs> that she was very dedicated to those longleaf pines. Mm, so the Grandpappy, that's actually interesting because we, we do so much about trees and the importance of trees right now in climate change that the more trees we plant, the right trees in the right places can actually mitigate climate change and having tree equity as well in certain, you know, places and suburbs and, and things like that. People don't have trees that, you know, should be there. And right. I think, you know, I was doing some history research on and Grandpappy came up. So is he like the, the oldest tree in Louisiana or is he the oldest longleaf? I mean, what would his real designation I, be? I think he's the oldest longleaf. He was the largest for as long as I can count back to but two years ago um actually one of my classmates that i went to nsu with found a larger longleaf pine in kasachi oh i don't remember what district in kasachi but he's only a few inches larger than grandpappy but grandpappy's still the oldest Hmm. so is briarwood nature preserve connected to kasachi or is it separate away i'm just trying to look at the mapping like it's separate um we're only, um, I think it's two miles away from the northern border of Kasachi. Mm-hmm. So that would, I think that's the wind district oh, that's right. of Kasachi. That's right. And, and, oh, okay. So that's like Winfield. But like, I remember kind of going when we went to Briarwood, I wasn't driving. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, I just sit back and look at the scenery and go, this is cool, man. And I remember <laughs> going through, but you do kind of go towards even the board, the boundary between Wynn and then uh, where Natchitoches is. So Arlene, I wanted to ask you, Kisachi National Forest, how important is that as a recreational hub for locals and then for visitors? For Natchitoches? Oh, it's very, very, very important. And, um, you know, I was just thinking back to, you know, I, I've always been fascinated with Miss Carolyn Dorman's story and going to um, the library at Northwestern. There's a lot of original letters written by Carolyn Dorman in support of other projects going on, you know, around the state and even around the country. So she was very instrumental in many projects, but primarily, you know, we are so blessed to have had her, you know, take an interest in in creating, you know, and helping to create Kasachi National Forest for Louisiana. Uh, Like Bailey was saying, we have several different districts. I believe there's seven total different districts of the Kasachi National Forest and miles and miles and miles and acres and acres and acres of trails, hiking and, you know, just all kind of trails. And one of the trails is the Carolyn Dorman Trail. Um, named after her, and that's actually in in the Kasachi district here in the Natchitoches district. But you have the Wynn district, and then I think the Caney district, and down in Vernon Parish, there's a district. So there's quite a few different, you know, uh, ranger districts. But Kasachi is huge. It's, you but know, and the long bit so the Longleaf Byway that goes through it. The, the Longleaf Byway goes through. Yep, the Longleaf Scenic Byway. That's that's true. That that's um, where we saw the piggies. 
Uh-huh. I was down that way not so long. I went to the uh, Longleaf Vista in Katachi. Oh, yeah. Actually, I went there on the 4th of July and okay. uh, went up to the Vista and had me a little picnic, you know, lunch packed and went up there and it was absolutely gorgeous. It's, it's just amazing when you get up there. I'm glad to hear Nancy and I hiked the Longleaf Trail. Mm-hmm. And- Right. I remember that storm came in and got us, and you and, and yeah. Kelly were trying to text us, like, you need, you, there's a storm coming, and we're we're in right. a storm. But this is so cool. And we were going through, you know, and everybody's like, this is an easy trail, but we were going through mud and stuff, and getting up the, you know, this is known as um, the Little Grand Canyon of Louisiana, and I'm sorry, but, like, it's a little butte that you're, this is, this is the tallest point in Louisiana, but, like, having lived in the West and the Southwest, I'm like, it's a few steps up i'm just saying <laughs> this is this is the magic of the long little body so, but it's all good it was so much fun and you, you girls were like trying to message us and this downpour comes but then like and you got some good storms man it's beautiful and this mist and clouds yeah. came rolling over the tops of the trees and you're seeing above so it is the tall point you know so i'm, yeah. I'm kidding around but it was like oh my gosh this is this whole other forest mountain-ish kind of experience yeah. that, that yeah. you you know the difference going from the west where it's dry like i remember telling you oh i gotta get there at sunrise at this time and you kept looking <laughs> yeah yeah um yeah <laughs> and so i get out there and it's too swampy to take a photo like there's no that's that's not happening this is the humidity the humidity and the if, good luck with that i mean i had to learn <laughs> this whole other ecosystem really fast and you 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 just had a good time with me didn't you <laughs> i think you just i just let you go it's like okay let it let me on your own little adventure you go ahead girl <laughs> tell me all about it when you get back uh, i've got some numbers for you when it comes to the kasachi national forest and uh it's made up of uh six hundred and four thousand acres Mm-hmm. And it spreads across seven parishes. Um, you know, everybody else has counties. Louisiana has parishes. Um, but um, it's, um, you know, 50 miles of multi-use trails. And that scenic byway that we were talking about is a 17-mile byway. Uh, it's just got panoramic vistas and, you know, you can camp. You can swim in the Kasachi Bayous up there and fish and hike and bike and horseback ride and picnic and ATV trails. It's got a little bit of everything, you know? It's, it's a magic place. It is Louisiana's mm. playground. I mean, we've been, you know, hiking there, driving there in different parts. And it's just, it is amazing to see how tall these pines are and how long their leaves are because they are the long leaf. So I want to mm. go back to you, Bailey. Uh, what time in the morning would you get out to try and see the sunrise and photograph it <laughs> in, in, in the be oh. land? Hmm. Hmm. I don't really know because I can't I can't see the sunrise or the sunset at Briarwood because it's so thick, <laughs> completely surrounded by trees. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. you just that's you just funny. To the, you have to go to the lakes or the rivers, like Cane River Lake or something. But it's so funny because right. you can in in the West, and it's just but it's this whole other ecosystem that also breeds all these amazing wildflowers, and you have marshland and swampland and bogland and which I love. Yeah. Oh my God. I love it. And so there's the one thing the iris says we, when we came out, I think the iris season, it just finished. That's so but tell us about these iris because she 
isn't this one of the it's it's like the most historical collection of Louisiana yeah, irises. It's the most um it is the most historical collection. We have some irises that date back to I believe nineteen eighteen. So Carolyn's um involvement with the irises is her and Ira Nelson from Lafayette founded the iris within the same month or so and they both started writing about them and contacting botanists and so forth across the state and they ended up finding them together basically so they started hybridizing them which there are five um louisiana iris species that are native to louisiana that weren't found anywhere else so they would take Mm. the seeds and hybridize them together and that's how we have hundreds and hundreds of different varieties of Louisiana irises. So our collection is massive. We have irises that aren't found anywhere else in the world. Um, and it's, wow. it's a very unique place. So with her, with her irises, these are all irises that were in the wild, in the swamps. and, and it... um, There are, yeah, there are five original ones. So we do have those, but the rest of them are varieties that um, different hybridizers across the state have created. And they're beautiful. One's more p- beautiful than the next. I mean, w- when they're all in bloom, you just walk through the iris. Is it like a bog? It's kind of, I, I don't know what, yes. what you call it. Yeah. And it's just like you, you, you go from one to the next and you're like, oh, my gosh, that's so beautiful. And you go to the next one and you're like, oh, my gosh. I mean, they are. I mean, I have pictures somewhere, a ton of pictures of irises, but it's so neat to go out there when they're in bloom. When, uh, when does that happen? When, when does it spring? Yes. This year they started blooming mid-April and were finished by early May. We had a late right. season this year, mm. but um, it's typically sometime in April they start blooming. Mm. I see Just, that you're it, really it, active. Could have, go ahead, go ahead. Um, we could have one cold spell too late, and it'll push them back by week. Hmm. It just depends on the weather that winter and the early spring, what they're going to hmm. do. I wanted to tell people to really follow you on Facebook because you're always posting what is going on. You're really active on there. So that's probably a good way for people to know, right, when the iris is blooming is, you know, to follow right. you on Facebook, right? Um but you don't just show up at Briarwood, right? You, you, it, except on weekends. When can people go? So we're only open five months out of the year. That's March, April, May, October, and November. Because in the winter and in the middle of the summer, there's not much going on unless you want to freeze or sweat. Um, but the <laughs> other five months are the most perfect months to go. Um, during those five months, we're open Friday through Sunday, 9 to 5. And anyone can just show up. But on the months that were open, I just started really focusing on people who want private tours. So mm-hmm. this didn't really happen in the past. You, people could schedule, like, large groups during the weekdays. But so many people wanted to do tours this this year. Um, in April, I think I went three weeks straight where I didn't go a single day without giving at least one tour. Mm-hmm. And most of the people... I had read about Briarwood from Facebook because that was one of my main goals when I first started is to really have a presence on social media because that's what most people focus on nowadays are social media. 
Yeah, I agree. I agree. And I, I think it's great because, it, you know, for me, I've, I've been able to, I, I fell in love with Briarwood when we went there and, and just, I was in love with Carolyn Dorman's story mm-hmm. from the beginning. And, yeah. you know, Nancy, you've traveled as a woman in nature and you know, mm-hmm. all over the world. I mean, her story, that resonates with you big time. I mean, some big time preserve land and, um, right. and documenting it too, you know? You know, it, and it's interesting because we know so much more now than what she did, but she still had that um, ability to open your mind and make you ponder and ask questions. You know, like, mm-hmm. like I've been doing some research on trees because we were just talking to um, Glenn Burroughs in Norfolk, England, and I was telling him that... He's a tour guide and he's into trees. <laughs> yeah, and he's a tree. So I was doing some research on the world's oldest trees. And so I gave him a list of the oldest trees in England. And one of the things I found out during that research was one of the oldest trees, if not the oldest tree in the world, is pine tree. They're pine trees. And they're put, the pine trees are like, they call them a, like a pioneer species. They go again where other trees don't want to live. And um, they, for one thing, they love like full sunlight most trees really don't like full sunlight we think of them as shade giving but um when they when they're first growing they can't handle full sunlight they need some shade pine trees don't so they come that you know the birds and animals distribute the seeds of pines and then the pine tree will grow where other trees won't and then once the pine trees start growing they're not meant to stay forever. They they make the canopy with shade for maples and ashes and oaks to sprout and grow in the shadows of the pines. And so then, and then when the maples, ashes, oaks grow, then come the blueberries and all the berries and the bushes, violets, and then you get to your irises and the violets and the, and the uh, flowers that will grow on the forest floor. Mm-hmm. So it's really kind of interesting. So on the one, on the one hand, you're like, oh man, you know, grandpappy pine tree, but he did its job. You know, and so sometimes some, it, there's going to come a time when maybe pine trees will become the, right now they're common in a way, but they might become rare just because they've been here so long. It's kind of, I don't know. I got. I went down the rabbit hole on trees. <laughs> but do do you have berries? Is, I mean, is this something you're experiencing, Bailey, on on at the Dorman Preserve at Briarwood? Oh yeah, yeah. She explained it right on right on the nail. Because um, it means that you had so many ecosystems, and mm. you know, it's um like I want to go and do like a map of like from Georgia, Louisiana, even through Arkansas and East Texas about the woods, like how these pine trees, I don't see so many pine trees here in Arkansas where we're recording right now, but um, just going through and there's these belts, like, you know, the sequoias only grow up mm-hmm. in the Sierra Nevada. So I'm going like, and the redwoods do their coastal thing on the North, you know, Northern California. So I'm wondering about these pines, you know, if they have and, a certain and- belt. Right, and this, we were talking about climate change earlier. There's something that I've been preaching for a long time, and that's to protect our native plants 
and that was right. one of Caroline's. Um, that's something she promoted a lot as well. But if we start planting non-native plants and focus more on those, then we're gonna it's gonna harm the native wildlife. It's gonna exactly. throw honeybees in for a loop. So we protect these native plants, and some are very aggressive, but we, that's what we mainly focus on: our native plants. Because once you lose all those native plants, yeah, you know things start Everything. changing, and for the wrong reasons. But this is a huge importance of what Briarwood is about is you can go and see what native plants look like. When you go in that meadow and there's all these wildflowers in bloom, you're going to go, why don't I have that at my house? And it's not going to cost me as much money once they're established. You know what I mean? So it's right. like you'll have all the butterflies. Who doesn't want wildflowers and butterflies and sunflowers and, you know, the iris and stuff? So it's... um. I think what's great about it is that you're opening people's minds because a lot of times people thought native plants didn't have flowers and that they were ugly, you know, or their flowers were tiny, which flowers, native plants, uh, flowers and and the plant itself depends on the water source. Look at dogwoods. Aren't they native? I mean, mean, aren't they all native? Like I've had native plants in my garden that are way bigger than native plants in in wild areas because I watered the garden so the plant got bigger. Listen, I, you are in the area of like growing so many amazing native plants. It's not even funny. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I, I mean, the entire region is like, I, I mean, if we were ever to stop traveling, we always say we're going out that way because you can grow things. It is, yeah. you've got resurrection fern on these gigantic oaks. You have the pines, you have wildflowers you have iris you have the grandpappy by the way so you know and the grandpappy is pretty big i love the photos you put on the website too of yeah it's circling around but i want to go back a little bit on carolyn dorman too for it because when we think about women's stories and women's history which is Mm -hmm. so important and and we're in this and it really what she went through as a teacher didn't she she was an educator she was an artist she was a botanist who did those botany drawings to let cool. you know but this is what it looked like right mm-hmm. and when you go yeah. in her house her house is like i i just it reminded me of places we lived in kenya i just yeah i know can i like, just check in everything moved in everything moved in the yeah. cabin the writer's cabin <laughs> out there yeah so uh, that was so cool what was a writer's cabin to her? Was that like she had a separate retreat or what was going on there? She had like, <laughs> was that Virginia's house or what was going on with that? No, so it was initially called the Three Pines Cabin. And this was the room, the cabin that Caroline did all of her writings, all of her paintings mm-hmm. in. And cool. it eventually just pretty much fell apart so they rebuilt it exactly how it was and named it the writer's cabin because that's what she did there mm-hmm. but hopefully next hopefully by next year we can open that back up for visitors to stay the night it's been closed since the tornado in 2019 yeah that's one of my main goals is to get it back open oh man i want to go stay there just like i would like to be on the number one at the top of the list <laughs> people to stay there because you are like in nature, right? You're surrounded in nature. Oh, wow. and, yeah. And you're by yeah. the little, the, what, what, the pond area too. It's, as I recall, it's not far from the pond. No, it's not. It's, um, that's Wings Rest Pond that, um, Caroline had built as a reflection pool for Grandpappy. 
Mm-hmm. So you could just sit there and stare at Grandpappy in the water. Mm-hmm. That sounds funny. There were frogs. There's cool. a lot of frogs. There's um, lilies, and there's a lot of life going on in there. Dragonflies, damselflies. You know, everything's going on. And mm-hmm. I think there's something about these ponds that um, remind us too it, to reflect. Right? You think of on Golden Pond and all of that, but it's 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 a really true thing, isn't it? To have these kind I want to say too that um I, I think Kellen Dorman you know was a was a great artist I mean he sat there days and days and hours and hours at a time drawing everything that she came in contact with yes. out there and documented everything mm-hmm. and she actually learned how to paint from Kimmy Henry at Melrose Plantation yeah love that oh yeah cool. Wow, that's awesome. That's the important thing, I think, is like all these connections, like, you know, you get into the history of it. It's not just going out in nature and seeing this amazing, I mean, it's it's magic and beautiful. and But you're getting this history of people all connecting together mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. creating something. I, I almost feel like, what is it with the strong women? I think one of them just called us, but <laughs> yeah. Like, but, but Arlene, but but I know it's like, but Arlene, what is it? Is it is you know? I'm just noticing we keep talking about all these strong women. I know. Yeah, you know when she brought up Kimmy Henry, and then you start mm-hmm. thinking of Clementine Hunter, and right, you know, even Kate Chopin, and yeah, and and Miss Carolyn Dorman. They were some forces to be dealt with. That's for sure. They were very very uh, proactive and. Uh, very in tune to the community and uh, activists and just preservationists. I mean, naturalists. They were a little bit of everything. I love it. I love it because it's so beautiful. So, Bailey, with with, uh, the Briarwood Preserve, are you doing groups for school kids and and things like that where people can get involved, like kids can learn how to do things, how to – Get behind a microscope. I know. I know the answer to this, but I just want you to talk about it because I want to come play with a microscope next time we come out. Yes, I've been. I've been trying to promote uh, school trips to come out more and boy and Girl Scouts. I actually have a group of Girl Scouts coming to camp in September, um, and I'm going to teach them about plants and animal tracks and different ecosystems Ooh, cool. that we have at Briarwood and the importance nice. of them. I gave a few field. I had a few field trips. Um, in May, and the kids were just, oh, this is the best field trip ever, and <laughs> I, cool. they had so much fun. They learned oh. so much. I mean, things that we uh-huh. take for granted every day, and things we see, we don't think anything of until you learn, you know, the history of it, and what it is, and how it survived, and all these other, you know, interesting things, so. And there's, there's a connection between everything. So mm-hmm. when you learn about mm-hmm. one animal or plant, you're going to learn about five, six other more plants and animals that keep that one alive and what they do for each other until you follow the chain right up to humans. Mm-hmm. And where do we get our oxygen? Mm-hmm. Right. It's really true. So event-wise, I see that you have a Tom Sawyer Day. What's that about? So Tom Sawyer Day, we have it twice a year in the spring and in the fall, and it's where volunteers come out and uh, designate different areas of the preserve, and they help clean trails, trim bushes, pick up sticks, just pretty much everything that 
I can't do on my own. They come and help out with that. Mm, that's and, cool. And in um, February, um, we held the largest Tom Sawyer Day in history of Briarwood. We had almost 100 people in attendance. Cool. See, I want to say this is so important. Um, we do so much on tourism on our shows, but we're the focus of travel. And as travelers go out, they want an experience. And I know, Arlene, <laughs> you know all about this. But, you know, travelers want an authentic experience. And mm-hmm. we're talking more than sustainable tourism. We're talking a little bit more than volunteering. It's But what did you do to give back into the community that you went to? So there's always an exchange when you go. I always talk about when we go to a place that you leave a little deja vu dust you know how you go through some place mm-hmm. and you go i've been here before i know i've had this experience i'm not going to get woo woo on ghosts and stuff but i could <laughs> I won't. but but it is true whenever you go somewhere a little piece of you is left um and so whatever your footprint is it shouldn't be in a negative way and hopefully you're taking some really good memories and something that's going to change your, your life so it's like regenerative and so when you can go to a place like Briarwood, like to me, if I'm on vacation and I can go and help on Tom Sawyer Day, I would put that as something I want to do in Natchitoches as part of my travel itinerary because it's authentic. You're learning something and it's regenerative. It means that I'm helping that to be there for the next time I come and my grandkids. I'm not having any kids, though. But, but you know what I mean? That, that That's going to happen. Right. So I think that it's something, you know, as travel and tourism is morphing, I think that's a very important thing that you have doing that, that people can plan to do that are travelers. And Arlene, what what do you, what are your thoughts on that with people? No, it's something the family can do together. It's outdoors. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like, you know, it's adventurous. It's, it's learning. It's interesting. It's different. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, yeah. Yeah. You can say that yep. you actually learned something about the nature versus just yeah. hiking on a trail without knowing what you're looking at. You know what I mean? Right. An immersive experience and you gave back and you learned something. I think learning mm-hmm. is key. Bailey, with, with the hundred people that came out, were any of them travelers or were they mostly locals at this time? They were mostly locals. A lot of people yeah. drove down from Treeport, which is about oh, an hour and a half from Briarwood. That's good. So... A lot of people were local to Briarwood, but we had folks from Natchitoches, from Alexandria, Shreveport, a little bit of everywhere at Tom's That's Day. Cool. That's cool. And it's good for locals to know their own area because a lot of times you can live in an area for several years and not even know where exactly. everything is for yeah. us. Yeah, you can't get to I've always, I've always been amazed about how people, you know, they just kind of take advantage of things that are there all their life and never experience it. Yeah. And I right. learned that growing up in New Orleans because, me, I wanted to see and do everything. But you see yeah. how many people live in New Orleans and have never rode the streetcar or have never gone, you know, to Audubon Zoo or Audubon Park and it's in their own backyard, you know. And the right. same thing here. You find people in Natchitoches that have never experienced or went out to the plantations or, you know, just even local attractions, you know. Yeah. Um, do we have to come yeah, down there, Harley? <laughs> you know, because because we have traveled our whole lives and I've, we've bounced countries from here to there. I learned early on 
see what you can see while you can see it. Don't leave it till the end and say, mm-hmm. oh, I'll see it someday because you won't if you, you won't. So you keep putting it off and there's always something more important. Now go see it while you live there and see it more than once. See it in every season, mm-hmm. you know, because it's going to be different every time you go. Mm-hmm. That's the beauty too. It's, what you have open, I understand the, the different months that Briarwoods open. So March, mm-hmm. April, May, October, November. Yep. Um, different wanna, each, yeah. Yeah, each each season. And because May, you know, is really summer in Louisiana. I'm just going to describe. Right. And October is almost, but uh, just, it depends. But um, when you think you have a fall plant sale too, um, isn't that part of also teaching people? Um, about native plants and what they can grow. So that's a fundraiser yeah. for Briarwood, right? Uh-huh. And it's also letting them take home a piece of Briarwood as well. Mm-hmm. Most, nice. we're, we're not having our fall plant sale this year. We're focusing on our inventory and having a bigger one in the spring. But uh, okay. I, I'm focusing on, um, you know, transplanting our own plants that we have to sell. So mm-hmm. I know for sure where these plants are coming from, how they're been taken care of, and I can have a hundred percent confidence when I send them home with people. Mm. That's awesome. And then you have a spring picnic too. So next we do. Spring. It's our that's our largest fundraiser of the year. Okay, so everyone, October is Tom Sawyer Day. Is October and then February. Have I got that right for people? Mm-hmm. Get going yep. and then annual spring picnic april and then fall plant sale next year so and and spring so basically you need to get your butts there and it's magical it is i i didn't want to leave and it's like the country forest it's like arlene said well you got to go eat over here and i'm like oh food okay but (laughs) happens and happens in Natchitoches, you know. You yeah, but you're right. When you spots. get on, when when you're pulling into the grounds or when you're pulling into Briarwood, it's like you're in a whole new world. It's like, oh my yeah, God. Yeah, it is. Really, Even just yeah. going through the gate, that gate with the big exactly. arch. The, exactly. You're, like, you're in somewhere magic land, you know. Yeah. Um, it, it's awesome. And, and Bailey, you obviously are head in. Like you're full. You, yeah, you're in it. You're yeah. living it, right? And um, I, I can imagine it's, a lot of hard work because you're doing nature work too, right? So it's right. You're you're busy, so you do need those volunteers. <laughs> like Bailey, correct that. me if I'm wrong, but the curator's house that didn't have like floor to win floor to ceiling kind of windows, so that you yes. have a gorgeous view out. And sometimes don't you have deer that are just kind of like meandering uh-huh. right there by the window? <laughs> yep, they stood in raccoons. I can't. Cool. I've, I've had at least 10 come up to the window. Oh, oh wow. I mean, they, they love it. I don't know what they're looking for. At <laughs> they're, just, they they're watching They're watching people TV. You know, they're, they're all like, like check out what they're doing. They're oh, like a little dog. She's cooking with dinner. Oh, she's watching TV and they're watching you watch TV. Do you even have TV out there? Like, I don't you know. You have internet, right? <laughs> do you have TV? Yeah, out there? I mean, we do. I know I'm not trying to make it sound weird, but like you are out in the little, you know, little nature zone. It's like, wow, can yeah, does anything where you know? We're <laughs> off the grid, but we have we have internet and everything. Um, but my biggest challenge is being so far away from any store. Oh. Oh yeah. 
the yeah, yes, probably a good yeah. How many miles is it from from you to to downtown, like to our office? Um, twenty. Like I don't know how many miles, but it takes me forty five minutes. <laughs> sure. Yeah, so you got to stop cut. But That's it's a beautiful drive. Oh, you shop. oh, but it's a beautiful it, drive. That's a, it is. A, yes, and she's at the very northern part of the parish. So I will say that. Natchitoches is a very large parish, and she is at the very tip of the northern part. So, see Natchitoches yeah, wins all the awards. It's a big parish. It's the settlement, the <laughs> oldest settlement. It's the oldest city. You know, we listen. We had to talk about you on the show the other day because we had visit Pensacola in Florida on the show, and they're like, "We're the oldest settlement," but then Saint Augustine, Florida, says we're the oldest city. I'm like, settlement and city, those are two separate things. But let me tell you, Natchitoches has both. <laughs> Did <laughs> I just say this on air? Oh my God, I'm going to be in trouble. Calls of war. Oh my goodness, too funny. I know, but then you are related to that Adonis, Texas, Rusty, in a in, in a way. So, and that's the oldest settlement or city. Oh, well, boy. well, for Nagos, we're both because um, for the settlement, it was of course established as a trading post, and then mm-hmm. you know we we are considered the oldest city in Louisiana. So, so it is two separate yeah. things. You win. When I was she wins. Okay. She yeah. wins. It's okay. <laughs> it's okay. Nothing wrong with being old, right? No, it's cold. It's not with old. Them. It's not old. It's experienced. There you go. Yeah. Yes. Before we go, um, Arlene, fall season is coming up. I mean, there's always so much going on in Natchitoches. And um, last time you were on the show, um, you know, we were talking about El Camino Real de los Tejas, um, but I do want to know how did the folk festival go? Because you know, Nancy and I were drooling. Oh, we're there. Oh my God! Everybody else it was, was there, but so us. much fun. It really, really was. Um, I did. I had a great time. Uh, uh, they had some great music, uh, three stages of music, and great food. And oh my gosh, the mm. the exhibitors were just kind of overflowing. You know, and it's so nice to see. Handmade, homemade crafts, and people, yeah. you know, utilizing their skills. You know, it's it was it was really good. Very well attended. So, uh, and that's lovely. Well, you know, was, even though it's in the middle of the hot summer, a Goldman Thibodeau did not make it. He was scheduled, but he did not uh, make it. And uh, you know, he just turned ninety this week. So, Mr. Yeah. Goldman Thibodeau just turned ninety years old, but he was Same. supposed to perform. We had uh, Gino Delafoff and Amanda Shaw that performed. So we we and they had Hardrick Rivers tribute. It was really good. And then uh, I will I will say that that is probably one of my favorite uh, festivals because it's an air conditioned stadium in the middle of July in the middle of summer when it is so hot. But it's like oh gosh, air conditioned. Thank thank you. It's- it's but, awesome uh, it that you can get meat pies and Indian tacos, uh, Indian mm-hmm. fried bread. I remember that. Mm-hmm. It was so like, yeah, the food is good to do. Mm-hmm. So what's so now up? we have coming up in September, we have the Cane River Zydeco Festival, uh, oh, which is back. around Labor Day oh. weekend. Yep. And then we have the Meat Pie Festival coming September cool. 16th, 17th. And then, of course, we'll have our Natchitoches car show at the end of October. Yes. Uh, lots of events in October. The cemetery tour, the downriver tour. Melrose oh. has an event going on. And 
We have tap Darwin's beer haunted house. But you, this is a good one for you, the craft beer and wine festival. That's right. Cool. Oh my God. So, and then that. before you know it, we turn on the holidays in November for the 96th yeah. Christmas festival. Our bands are now on sale on our NatchitizChristmas.com website. They went up yesterday online. So, Oh, wow. All kind of good stuff. This year we're going to have to try and get there for the Christmas festival. We've never done it. And, you know, eventually, I mean, we've done a little bit of Natchitoches in February, but always in July. And somehow Uh we change our our, our (laughs) our arrival dates. Um, But definitely, um, Briar, would we definitely want to come back and see you, Bailey, and go on a tour? Because Uh you take people out on a golf cart, and that looks like fun. (laughs) Yeah, we do. I like the... I let the visitors choose if they want to hike or ride the golf cart, but I always try to convince them to take the golf cart. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, cool. I am. Uh, I, yeah. I love the walking because of, you know, doing photography and just, I like to be as close, but you know, golf cart tour, I'm never against that. When we went out to Natchitoches the very first time we did Natchitoches and we went to Toledo Bend, I think it was Cypress Bend Resort and yeah. Um, they said at that time, you know, and, and they've changed, they're now Best Western, I think. And um, <laughs> the management there said, here, ladies, take out the golf cart. And we're, we're like, are you kidding me? You're going to trust <laughs> us with a golf cart? <laughs> you that could be a dangerous thing. No, but it's beautiful. I love riding the golf cart out at Cypress Bend. Oh, my gosh, that's so much fun and so beautiful. Mm-hmm. I would like to see the country by golf cart. Exactly. Mm. Well, did that. Like the guy on the the John Deere tractor, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Just like that. Just on the side of the freeway, take off when you want to go up. Every time you see a policeman, you go, okay, exit. Because you're not (laughs) supposed to be there. And then go have fun in a town. You don't have to golf. You just have a golf cart. That's right. It's cool. It's cool. Ladies, thank you so much for joining us. It's such a pleasure. Bailey, it's nice to meet you uh, on Me on this call, but hopefully yeah. meet you in person and get to walk around or zoom around on a golf cart with you around Briarwood. <laughs> uh, and, and I want to go stay in the writer's cabin. Listen, I'm just saying, I want one night there. I'll, whatever I need to do, I want a night yeah. next to Grandpappy. Yeah. <laughs> it's close to the pappy. Well, we have to get you and Nancy back here anyway. So when you come, we'll we'll have to work on that. Okay, we'll good. And I'll bring my bug spray. <laughs> You'll need bug spray, huh? Yeah, I know. Everyone for Briarwood, uh, go to the website briarwoodnp.org. Go to Natchitoches. It's Natchitoches.com, which is N-A-T-C-H-I-O. I didn't. I didn't do it right. Let me start again in a C-H-I-T-O-C-H-E-S.com. So you it's like Natchitoches. It. Yeah, Natchitoches.com. <laughs> and, of course, keep up with us at BigBlendRadio.com. We do our third Tuesday show with Arlene and friends over in Natchitoches, you know. So every third Tuesday, come join us. Learn more about Louisiana because guess what? Only the in Louisiana because it's it's like you, there's nothing in Louisiana that's in other states. Louisiana is Louisiana. <laughs> Thank you guys for joining us. Thank you. Y'all take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.